the U.S. economy came perilously close to another recession late last year. After commencing a strong recovery around May, the economy steadily lost momentum after the summer of 2020. By October, retail sales were in decline. By December, the nation was losing jobs again. Many factors were at work, including a spike in COVID-19 infections after Labor Day and the lack of significant additional legislated federal stimulus after April of last year. With the economy losing momentum and slipping back into the clutches of recession, Federal policymakers passed another stimulus package value at $900 billion late last year, and that appears to have stabilized the economy. According to recently released Commerce Department data, personal income surged an astonishing 10% in January. Spending also increased that month, rising a healthy 2.4%, largely fueled by a rise in the purchase of goods. But the recent data also indicate just how dependent the economy remains on injections of federal stimulus spending. January's rise in income was primarily attributable to $600 government relief checks and stepped-up unemployment insurance payments emerging from December's stimulus package. Meanwhile, many industries, including tourism, remain largely locked down. For WYPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Judging by the behavior of the U.S. stock market, the U.S. economy is set to roar back from the devastating impacts of a lingering pandemic. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, by late February, major U.S. stock indices had set more than 30 record highs in 2021. There are other financial metrics suggesting that investors anticipate a sharp recovery to begin at some point later this year. Long-term bond yields are rising, which reflects rising demand among consumers and businesses for funds to drive spending and investment. Inflation expectations are at multi-year highs. Prices of many other assets have been on the rise of late as well, from a barrel of oil to a bit of Bitcoin. All of this suggests that investors believe the fun is just getting started as a combination of additional fiscal stimulus, more extensive COVID-19 vaccinations, and pent-up demand for consumption will unleash economic growth. Federal Reserve Bank policymakers have continued to express a willingness to keep interest rates as low as possible, which provides further fuel for the investment boom and accompanying optimism. There's just one problem. Investors may turn out to be wrong, at least in part. If inflation rises too quickly, that would result in higher borrowing costs for households and businesses. And that would take much of the expected steam out of the economy. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Last month, a winter storm pummeled Texas, America's energy capital. Record snowfall and the lowest temperatures registered in more than 30 years left millions of Texans without electricity and heat. As reported by The Economist magazine, at the worst moment on February 16th, 4.5 million Texan households were cut off from power as suppliers were overloaded with demand. Some Texans scrambled to check into the few hotels with remaining rooms only for those hotels to lose power. But there were other states, including Tennessee, that were also covered in snow. But it was Texas that was routed. Why? The short answer appears to be the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which operates the state's grid. Its failure to properly forecast demand for energy is responsible for much of the crisis, according to experts. Some policymakers have been quick to blame renewable energy sources, including wind power, for the blackouts. Indeed, some wind turbines froze, but it was natural gas, which accounts for approximately half of the state's electricity generation, that was the primary reason for the shortfall. Texas is also home to the only standalone electricity grid among the 48 contiguous states, which means the state cannot import electricity from beyond its borders. 
for WYPR and my daughter Kohena, who celebrates a birthday today. I'm Aniban Basu. You must be wondering how the world's governments will deal with all of the deficits that have been racked up during the pandemic. Trillions of dollars have been spent by the world's governments to deal with the public health and economic implications of COVID-19. While governments will deploy many strategies going forward, one possible outcome is for tax rates to eventually rise. Indeed, as indicated by the Wall Street Journal, the United Kingdom recently became the first major government to establish plans to repair the damage done to government finances by the pandemic. The UK has announced that it will raise taxes after the economy recovers from its worst downturn in more than 300 years. In what may turn out to be a bellwether for other wealthy nations, the UK indicated that it would begin raising taxes starting in 2023 to cover the heavy cost of the pandemic. The UK suffered the worst downturn among the group of seven advanced economies last year and experienced one of the most lethal coronavirus outbreaks in the world. Partially in response, UK policymakers have developed plans to raise that nation's corporate tax rate from 19% today to 25% in April of 2023. For WIPR and my daughter Kimaya, who celebrates a birthday today, I'm Aniban Basu. You might remember that a gentleman named Andrew Yang recently ran for the presidency of the United States. Perhaps his most novel proposal was for a freedom dividend, which would take the form of monthly cash payments of $1,000 to be paid to all Americans. As noted by The Economist magazine, the idea distinguished him among a crowded field as an unorthodox thinker. Nearly two years later, Mr. Yang leads the race for mayor of New York City, and his idea for national universal basic income appears far less radical. Why? Because of COVID-19. Cash transfers have been deployed by many governments during the pandemic and have come to look like an effective way to meet many social needs. Arguments for universal income payments have flourished for centuries. Thomas Paine, the philosopher and political activist who wrote Common Sense in 1776, argued that the earth is common property and that everyone who makes use of the land and resources owes society a ground rent that should fund the payment of a national inheritance to all adults. To date, however, universal basic income has received little support. For instance, in 2016, a Swiss referendum on a plan to pay all adults an income of about $2,500 a month was soundly rejected by nearly 80% of voters. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.